It's lovely to be with you this evening. I'm aware of some people that might be online tonight who've got COVID, and I just want to say a special hello to you uh, this evening and anyone else that's joining us online. But yeah, lovely to be with you. And if you don't know me yet, my name's Nicola, and it's great to be speaking. We're going to be in this chapter, John 10, and you'll find it really helpful to keep having it uh, open in front of you. And ooh, I'm blaming Levi. Levi, where are you? Help. <laughs> Fiddled with it. It's gone down again. <laughs> there we go. No, I'm joking. It's just... Um... <laughs> Brilliant. I need my words this evening. I've had a very busy day, folks. Um... Great. So yes, so we're in this passage, but the one thing that if you've got a phone, and this isn't a diss to Bible on your phone, because I love Bible on your phone, it's great, but the one problem with it is that you can't actually see the bit that comes before or after, and actually the bit that comes before this passage really helps us understand this passage, so we're going to kind of uh, look at that in, in just a bit. Now, I started uh, this morning uh, with an interesting conversation in the kitchen with my two sons. My daughter's been away for the weekend, and my husband was working in another church up in Dorridge today. And so we thought we'd try a family experiment. And the experiment was that they didn't have to come to the first service of the day at 9.30, but they could have a go at staying by themselves and walk themselves to the 10.30 service over at St. Albans, which is the service which quite a big, busy service and lots of friends and stuff. And so I left them with quite a lot of instructions. The instructions included things like, you are not allowed to use the archery set. Um, things like, I don't want you to make any smoothies, please, in the blender. No blades, no whizzy things in the kitchen. Um, and, you know, all the normal parent stuff, like don't answer the door and, like, you know, that, that kind of thing. And you've got to set an alarm so that you definitely leave at 10 o'clock. I don't want to arrive at the 10.30 service and stress that you're not there. So you've got to be early. And I left all these instructions with them. And as a parent, um, you kind of wonder if your kids ever listen to anything that you say. And, um, and half the time, they probably don't. But, but secretly, they, they do absorb stuff in there. And, and it's when you leave the room, and I could hear the youngest repeating to the eldest some of the instructions I'd left. And I thought, phew, they have, they have heard my voice. And in our passage tonight, Jesus, this is a segue link, Jesus says his sheep, that's his followers, know his voice. And you know what, whether you feel like it or not, you do know his voice. You do. He's spoken so much in his word, and you do know a lot of his voice. Now, yeah, there are times when we tune it out, we dial it down, we deliberately turn away from it. But you do know his voice. And he wants you so much to know his voice. And even when his voice feels like me saying to my boys, don't use the archery set, and it feels like he's maybe put a little bit of a restraint on you or is even reining you in a bit... Why is he doing it? Well, in the same way I did this morning. Just because I don't want them to kill each other with arrows, that would be really bad. <laughs> 
His voice is a voice that brings life, not death. Okay. So, its passage also has a really famous verse in it. Um, who goes to Twyford over here? Twyford. Um, what is John 10.10? 10? Okay, you're in year seven. I'll forgive you, Lila. Hey, I've come that you may have life in all its fullness. Famous verse, right? But Twyford, I think what they sometimes mean by that, or what I hear they sometimes mean by that, is basically get like tons of good grades, and that's like life in all its fullness. And I just want to just stay right at the start of the passage that that is not what Jesus said. If you are academic, bless you, and we want to pray that you do get all those amazing grades for all that God's got in store for you, but that isn't entirely what Jesus meant by that verse. He meant something much bigger and something much greater. Jesus has come that we might have life in all its fullness, life as opposed to death as opposed to the thief and the robber in this passage that come to steal and destroy. Instead of a life full of destruction, Jesus wants us to give us life, full life. So how do we get this fullness of life? We get it through having a relationship with God by inviting that friendship with God in. You see, Jesus is drawing us back to Eden. He wants to reverse the effects of the fall. He's drawing us back to that point where we just walk freely with God. And because of that intimacy, everything else is made perfect. And you know, we can experience some of that now here on earth. One day we'll experience it fully, but we can experience some of that now. One of the privileges I had today was doing um, baptism preparation and then confirmation uh, preparation with people and hearing their stories of how they've heard Jesus' voice and how it's impacting their lives. And one of the stories someone told today was about actually, you know, experiencing quite chronic pain. But even in that pain, finding joy because of their relationship with God. You see, hearing Jesus' voice gives us so many benefits. It means that we can have peace despite the circumstances. Because we know that ultimately, whatever happens here, whatever goes on in our life, we have an eternal destiny that's secure with God the Father in heaven. And so even when we travel through really rocky periods, we can experience his peace if we tune in to hear his voice. We can have hope despite darkness. We can have deep friendship with God our Father, even when some of our human relationships are imperfect. We can have perspective in a world that can at times otherwise feel very overwhelming. So we can have so many benefits. We can have this fullness of life Jesus wants to bless us with. So how are you doing tonight at listening to the voice of the shepherd? How's that going for you?
And sometimes when we sit in church, um, okay, sometimes I do this. I think you don't. I think you're all really brilliant, so you probably don't do this. But sometimes I do this. I go like, I think Jesus really needs John to hear. And Jesus really needs to tell Richard, <laughs> my husband, this. And Jesus could really do with telling my children that. And, but actually just tonight... What is it that Jesus wants to say to you? And you see, the thing is, it's really easy not to listen. I've been um, clocking a little bit over the pandemic period how some of my rhythms in life got quite messed with. And um, I, I think some of the rhythms we gained through pandemic were actually really helpful, weren't they? Some of us gained some really good practices, maybe, you know, walking around more outside in our local area, um, spending time talking on the phone or, or other things. There's been lots of good things, but there's also been some negative things. And for me, one of the negative things was that I started working in the morning, like, really early like really, really early. And then I was working really, really, really late because I had to homeschool three children. Although they'll tell you I did a terrible job of it and I did. But in the middle of the day, it was really hard to get my work done. So I had to work really early and really late. And somehow over an extended period of time of doing that, my kind of connectivity to my mobile phone grew quite significantly and I suddenly realized I'm writing emails at 4 a.m. and at midnight and that's not very healthy and I know that and I've clocked it and it's now been a little while since we've been out of it but actually reining back in that habit is taking a bit of work and time and adjustment and we need to be kind to ourselves don't we when things take time but we do need to do something about it. You see, in the process of that, I've stopped making as much time to listen to Jesus' voice. I'm allowing all the other voices contending for my attention grab me. And I need to rein that back in because I need to hear the voice of my shepherd because it's through hearing his voice that I'm drawn into that life in all its fullness that he longs for me to have. So how are you doing at hearing that voice of Jesus's? When we hear the voice of Jesus, for most of us, Jesus wants to speak in two ways. The first is that he wants to speak life over us and into us. So he wants to say, Emma, I just love you so much. I am so proud of you, the way you serve others, the kindness of your spirit. I know you by name. I see your faithfulness and your diligence in your role and the care that you have over things. And I love your creativity. And God wants to speak life and love over us. And we need to hear that and enjoy that. And then the other thing Jesus does is occasionally give us a little bit of a nudge, a little bit of a checkup. 
oh, come on, Nicola, rein in that mobile phone usage. Come on, it's not going to be good for your mental health. Rein it back in. Come on, rein it back in. And whenever he does that, whenever he convicts us or speaks a little check-in point to us, it's not because he wants to destroy and kill us. It's because he wants us to have life in all its fullness. And most of the time, for most of us, because we're not yet perfect, he will need to be speaking to us in both of those two ways. And so I'm not to bother with what I think he might need to tell John over there or my husband or something. What does he need to say to Nicola tonight? Let's dive in a little bit to the passage. In verse 1, Uh, We're going to start here. It says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. And we discover uh, very quickly in that verse that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time. And what's interesting is what's actually happened in the chapter before. In the chapter before, we've had the story of the blind man whose sight was miraculously healed by Jesus. And the miracle caused such a commotion in the community that the blind man was brought before the Pharisees. And instead of being like amazed and like, it's so good that you can see this is amazing and miracles happened. Instead of being like that, the Pharisees are like, oh, I don't know about that. Jesus gone and done it on the Sabbath, not meant to heal on the Sabbath. And they start grumbling and moaning. And then the healed man is brought before the Sanhedrin, that's like the ruling council, and is renounced as a sinner. He's thrown out of the synagogue and made an example of. And the behavior of the Pharisees in doing this shows that they're actually claiming to be the gatekeepers of God. They're the ones deciding what is right, deciding what can lead people to God. And you know, they're so concerned with their rules and the way of worship that they miss the voice of God and they miss what God's doing. And so in this chapter, we get a kind of mixture of metaphors and don't worry about trying to understand them all together. Jesus is both the lamb of God, the shepherd and the gate and it's okay. Uh, But he's just telling us things about himself in each of these metaphors. And Jesus turns around to the Pharisees and it's like, you guys are not the gatekeepers. I am the gate. I am the gate. Now, um, in order to kind of understand some of the metaphors and what is going on in the passage, we need to just clock two things. One, we don't know much about Middle Eastern shepherding, particularly living in West London. So let's just admit that we don't have a clue about Middle Eastern shepherding. And shepherding that we, we do in the UK, you know, we see these sheep dogs and it all looks quite idyllic and they kind of round up the sheep and something like that. Um, in Middle Eastern shepherding, it happens completely differently. That The shepherd knows uh, the sheep, and they know the voice of that shepherd. And the shepherd can call, hello, sheep, or Sally, sheep, come on. And the sheep will follow behind. 
very different kind of shepherding that's going on. But the other thing that we need to clock as we look at this passage is that Jesus isn't just coming up with these metaphors now. It's not like Jesus was there and going, right, I know how I'll grab their attention. I'll come up with a story about sheep. These metaphors are ancient. Jesus has been using them as the word of God from years gone by. And in the head of Jesus, he would have had passages like Ezekiel 34 rattling around. Passages that talk about sheep and good shepherds and bad shepherds. And Ezekiel chapter 4 says those pharisaical religious leader types, sometimes they're really bad shepherds. And in this passage, Jesus is having a massive go at these religious leaders who think they're the gatekeepers, that they're the way to get to God. And he's saying, no, only I am the way to God. And you know, in Ezekiel chapter 34, God absolutely slates the bad religious leaders. Absolutely slates them. He slates them for only looking after themselves. He slates them for not strengthening the weak. He slates them for not healing the sick or binding up the injured. He slates them for not being bothered to go after the lost sheep. And he slates them for not leading gently and compassionately. It was quite hard to um, prepare this sermon the other day as a church leader. Oh, my goodness. How am I doing? Uh, But actually, how, how are we doing? Because Jesus has invited us to share in his ministry. To be his hands and feet on the earth to go out there and be his and so we can all ask corporately and individually am I only looking after myself how am I doing at strengthening the weak what does it mean to stand by the sick and the injured have I bothered to go after the lost that person who's drifted away It's not my job to save them, but but am I going after people? Am I warning people? Am I inviting people back in? How am I leading? Is it with gentleness and compassion? (laughs) Challenging stuff. (laughs) Very challenging stuff indeed. And you see, the Pharisees have lost sight of all of this. They're just focused on, Jesus healed on the Sabbath, and we don't do that, and we need to be doing this rule, and we need to worship in this way, and the band must sound like this tonight, and we must do this, and da 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 And in the midst of all of that, they've lost hearing the voice of the chief shepherd. And you see, the Pharisees in verse 6 don't really understand what Jesus is saying. They lose the plot because they're not listening. They've not tuned in to the voice. At their way, 
is going to lead to destruction and death, not to eternal life. Another thing that we uh, need to know about the, um, the shepherding and sheep situation in the Middle Eastern times was that, and uh, back in those times, was that they made their sheep pen from one, I believe, reading books, one continuous kind of wall that went all the way around, apart from one little gap that would be where the gate is. So there was just one way in and out of the sheep pen. And uh, some of them would have, like, physical gates, uh, but other times the shepherd would himself be the gate and lie across the gap in the evening time. And you see, Jesus, by saying, I am the gate, is saying, I am the way in to the safety of the pen. I am the way in to salvation, to being saved from danger and darkness and destruction. I am the gate and you can only come in through me. How does that sound to you? Um, Because I was like, okay, cool, yeah, I'm saved by Jesus, great. I'm I'm saved from my sin and I get that. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling a bit trapped in this pen though. Seems a bit boring to be a sheep trapped kind of in a pen. I'm feeling a bit like I've been infantilized or something or like kind of just, I don't know. I wasn't too sure about that. And then I read verse 9 again, which is so important. And verse 9 says this. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And for those who know me well, I don't really like being trapped in things. Uh, uh, We went with the Phillips once to India to help with a conference that was in a compound. And even though the compound was quite large, I was struggling with it after a day or two because I don't like being trapped. Jesus brings us into the safety of the pen and saves us, but allows us out into the pastures to frolic in freedom and creativity and with joy and dancing and life. He is the way both in and out to enjoy life in all its fullness with some safety measures around the edges to keep us safe. In churches, we sometimes put on uh, parenting courses and, and we, we, we do them with uh, great advice from psychologists and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and most of the parenting courses we've done in church have this idea where parents are supposed to create that sort of safe, stable environment from which th- their children can actually go from them to make mistakes, to fall over, to wet their pants, to whatever, you know, it's talking about little children often these. Um, you know, they're, they're free to kind of go and, and kind of mess up a little bit, but also to be creative and to become who they're meant to be, but knowing that they can always safely return to mum and dad so that when they fall over and trip over, they can run back to you for that quick cuddle that they need and then off they go again. And to some extent, you get this sort of similar idea going on. Jesus has brought us in. He's totally got us saved, totally saved us. 
but also he sets us free. He doesn't leave us as little infants. He calls us to grow up into mature relationship with him. And in fact, in Revelation, he invites us ultimately to join him on the throne and reign with him. It's amazing. Totally amazing. Just as I come into land, the final thing I say about the gate is that the gate also um, of a pen swings open. And while the sheep rush into safety, the gate that's swung open like this is left in the darkness and in the danger zone. And Jesus is our gate also in the sense that he's flung himself onto the cross to take all the darkness and all the danger. And in our heads, we can begin to have that imagery from the Exodus story where God's people took the lamb and they put it over their gates, the blood of the lamb, to save them. Jesus is our gate, the way into life in all its fullness. The gate he's taken our sin and taken our debt. And at the heart of this Christian faith is not religious rules. It's not the pharisaical way. It's being wooed back to a relationship. It's about being in a relationship where we hear the voice of Jesus. And as we approach Easter, I end as I start. How are you doing at tuning in to the shepherd's voice? To you, today. I'm going to hand over to, to John to lead us in prayer.